Hallelujah. Um, get, get used to this. Seriously, get used to this. Um, um, there's been a couple times I went into the prisons and, and people began to just, I mean, the, the power of the Lord just started coming in and they just started reacting. So it's, uh, it's something to, uh, don't be afraid of it, too. Because remember the one that got into convulsions and then it dropped and then they thought he was dead and he wasn't dead and then the Lord lifted him up. It's, um, it's just something wonderful when the Lord is in action, isn't it? Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, you said in Psalms 1, blessed is the man and woman. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, who doesn't stand in the way with sinners, who doesn't sit in the seat with the scornful. His delight, their delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law they meditate day and night. And because of it, they're like a tree. They're planted by the rivers of Zoe life, the rivers of life. They bring forth fruit in their season. And everything they do prospers. This is the life of the disciple, hallelujah. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff that the wind takes advantage of and the wind drives and blows away. Therefore, the ungodly cannot stand with the righteous. With the, and, the, and the sinners cannot stand in the congregation of the righteous because the Lord knows the way of the godly. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for your words tonight because we're talking about being a disciple. We're talking about being a disciple. We're talking about what it means to walk in Zoe life. We're talking about what it means to be an ambassador of Zoe life because that's what Christian means. Christ is alive in us. The Zoe life of Christ is in us. We walk in it. We talk in it. We sleep in it. People see it in us, Father. They see that presence. They feel that presence. It's a command presence. It's a command glory, Father, in the name of Jesus. And we walk in it. That's what a disciple is. That's what a Christian is. I see Christ in you. Christ is coming out of you. You're getting Christ's results in Jesus' name. That's what a Christian is. And that's what we are. And when we walk out into this world, this world is confused right now. But I tell you what, there's light in Goshen. There's light in us. We're attached to that light. So, Father, as we read your word today, as we go over the words, we're going to see what it means to be a disciple. We've been seeing what it means. And I just thank you for it, Father, because every saint in here, my goodness, what an army of loving saints, Father. What an army of light that's going out into the world. So I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. What an exciting series we've been having. Man, with Pastor Justin, some of the things I wrote down that just that just spoke to me and ministered to me. Man, I'm telling you what, when you come in, you, when you start hearing from the Holy Spirit, write it down. Write it down and then go home and go over it. And then what you do as a disciple, once you start meditating it, like we've been going over Isaiah 54 too, you start making your own prayers and then you got it memorized. And I've been praying it every time we've been coming in here. And um, we've learned this, that disciples, they, there's a change in a disciple's life and they impact the world for Jesus. That's what a disciple does. And that was one of the first things that came out with Pastor Justin when he was talking in the book of Acts. And then when Vic got to come up, man, I tell you what, no one's fit for the kingdom that looks behind, right? When they start plowing and then they look behind. Re- remember um, Lot when his wife looked behind? When you read that in the Hebrew, when, when Sodom and Gomorrah blew up, when she looked back and she peered, the way it describes it in the Hebrew was that she had longed. She longed to go back to that life. She longed to go back to that way of living. And when she looked back, she peered. The Bible said she peered. She gazed, right? And that's what happened. So you don't want to look back. You want to keep going, right? And then the other thing that I like is we're driven to meet a need. We're driven to meet needs as disciples of God, being used by the Lord. And then Pastor Justin said really something beautiful the other day. He said, greater commitment, greater submission. And man, that's powerful, isn't it? Disciples have greater commitment to the word of God. 
a greater commitment, and then a greater submission to the calling of it. And I just got excited with that. So I wrote these things down, and I'm just excited with what we've been learning. Uh, let's go to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. It's one of our uh, fundamental scriptures that we're using it. John chapter 8, 31 and 32. It's important to constantly get our eyes on this. It's important important that we constantly decree this over our life. We constantly speak this over our life. John 8, and we're going to look at verse 31 and 32. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. We know what happens in the story. There's a woman that's caught in the act of adultery, right? And they drag her forward. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they use the word of God to condemn her, right? Well, what does Jesus use the word of God to do? He uses the word of God to set her free, right? So we look at verse 31 and 32, and you can imagine, because Jesus is speaking, okay? He's speaking to these guys, and they drag this girl in here while he's speaking. So Jesus goes around and turns it into a wonderful revelation of what goes on. And he starts talking to them, and then when we pick it up in verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. So we learn one of the most important things is, is you can believe in God, but that doesn't make you a disciple, does it? So he says this, you guys that believe on me, right? If you continue an abundant lifestyle, right? If you continually, habitually, like develop a pattern of staying in my word, that's when you'll be my disciple, right? And then that's when you start learning the truth, right? And that's when the truth starts setting you free. Hallelujah. And I was reminded when I was reading, uh, when I was going over this, you know, this weekend, you know, in the book of James, where James said, hey, you believe in God? Well, congratulations. The devil believes in God, right? But you got to put faith to your works, right? You got to put faith. So a disciple puts faith to his belief in God. He begins to take the word of God. He walks in it. He exercises it. And he lets it flow through him. So hallelujah. And then, so we know that believers are not just disciples, but we also learned in Luke 6, verse 40, that one of the reasons to be a disciple is to live like Jesus. Live like Jesus. And that's exciting, okay? Um, so what we're going to be talking about today is, is an acceptable life, okay? So what does acceptable mean to you? There means there's a standard, right? Okay? So we're going to get into that. But Paul said something in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Now, I'm going to skip through a lot of scriptures, and then what I'll do at the direction of the Holy Spirit, is just kind of hover and meditate on some other ones. But in the book of Ephesians, and I'll get over there in chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says something really nice here. Isn't the word great? Isn't it, enough? Isn't it wonderful? He says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And then he emphasizes this, Unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness. Now, when you read the word Christ, you say, unto the fullness of the resurrected, risen Messiah, who's anointed, who I'm a partaker with, who's seated at the right hand of the Father, who I'm seated with, okay? Because that's what Christ means. So, in other words, what Paul is saying here is we can actually attain. We can actually go up in level. We can attain to that level. Now, that's a powerful statement. And one of the things... That interested me when we were uh, discussing about John chapter 8. Um, what does the disciple do? He lives in the Zoe life of Christ, right? What does the devil do with the word of God? He takes the word of God, and he's going to use it as a mirror against you, and he's going to try to point out all the imperfections that you have with it, right? That's what he's going to do. So he's gonna, that's what the Pharisees did, right? And if you're in religion, what are you going to do? You're going to wind up following that pattern, right? But man, Jesus, he takes the word of God. And he takes that Zoe life that's on the inside of him. And those disciples are standing there watching and everybody's watching. 
Hallelujah. And then Jesus said this when the Pharisees are there. And, and the way I get it from just meditating on what the Holy Spirit is, if you guys want to take the stone and you want to take the place of God and you think that you're ready now to throw that rock and condemn this woman to death, go ahead and chuck it, man. Toss it, right? And, of course, understanding that, every one of them dropped those rocks and walked away because I would not want to take the place of God, you know, and I would not want to be in that position. So the thing that excites me is as the disciple begins to understand, he begins to see. He begins, she begins, he and she begin to see. They begin to walk like God, talk like Jesus. They begin to see beyond the moment because the Holy Spirit shows them beyond the moment. They get to sense things from the Holy Spirit when they're talking. The entrance of God words brings light, right? So as you're like when we were little kids, when we used to look for bugs, man, as soon as you pulled that rock up and the light was on, those little bugs just scurried everywhere, right? As soon as you bring in the light of the word of God, the love of Jesus into a situation. Man, I'm telling you, as a disciple, take it. Run with it when the Lord starts revealing stuff to you. It's exciting stuff. Just exciting stuff. So one of the other things I'm just going to go over again before I start getting into the meat of the word is that there should be a change in your life when you become a disciple. There should be a change. Okay? And if we look um, at Romans chapter 8, verse 29... And then we'll go to Romans 12. So we'll go out to the, to the book of Romans. And we'll go to chapter 8, verse 29. Hallelujah. Romans eight twenty nine. He said, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, so that you and I could what? Be conformed to what? Transformed, right? Conformed, transformed into what? The image of his son, so that you and I might be, so that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. So, what is that scripture saying? It's saying that we are the same. There's, there's more than one begotten, right? Now, get excited about this. Get excited because what's a prototype? A prototype is developed to be the first one of its kind, right? And then everything else after that is made in its same image. And that's what the Bible's talking about. And then in um, 1 John 3, 2 and 1 John 4, 16 to 17, we start seeing that now we are sons of God. Now we are disciples, right? Now we're in that image of God. Now we're walking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, right? Now we are. Now when we get to heaven, now, right? So let's go to Romans 12, and this is where I'll start slowing down. I'm getting excited. Well, man, when you get in the Word of God, you get excited, don't you? I mean, when the Holy Spirit starts coming in on me, I just, I mean, the, the joy level just starts pumping. And he says this. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Okay? So how do you worship God? You worship God by presenting your entire life as a living sacrifice, right? You make yourself holy, and holy is set apart. And get excited, because what's that holiness that sets us apart from the world? World, It's that Zoe life that's on the inside of us. That's why I get excited. I don't mind being separated from the world. I don't mind when the world looks at me like that. I get excited, because I know the Zoe life of Christ is living on the inside of me. That's what makes me holy. It's the Lord. It's the presence of the Lord that's in me that separates me from the world, right? So now I'm what? Acceptable unto God. That's my reasonable service. I don't have to be conformed anymore to the world. I can be transformed, transformed by the renewing of my mind, right? So that I can prove what is the good and acceptable 
in the perfect will of the Lord. And um, one of the scriptures I want to go to is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to go, the Holy Spirit's reminding me to go back this direction. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And he wants me to explain something here. Because this is, when I meditated in the Word of God and I began to go over these scriptures and I committed my life to be a disciple for Christ, this is what I did. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. It says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Remember we were talking about John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. As you begin to walk in the Lord, as you become a disciple, you begin to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Okay? But we all, in verse 18, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. Lord, show us your glory, right? The glory of the Lord. We are changed. That word changed is transformed. It's a word for transform, okay? So we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord, okay? Now, I want you to picture this. As you get into the Word of God, as you begin to meditate on it, as you begin to sing it, as you begin to get excited with it, as you begin to proclaim it over your life, You begin to proclaim it. You begin to speak it. Yes, I am in the image of Christ. Yes, I am in the image of Christ. And you look into this mirror of the Word of God. Something beautiful happens. A transformation starts to take place. And it's exciting. Man, I'm telling you, you begin to hum Jesus. You begin to sing Jesus. Scriptures become all alive to you. You begin to walk it. It begins to pour out of you. Hallelujah. And um, you begin to transform. And that is so important. And then Paul goes on when you go into chapter 4. And Pastor Justin went on this in Sunday service. You know, talking about Jesus and the man Jesus and the light that we walk in. Verse 6, down in, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. He said, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has now shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Use it. Take it. Take that treasure. Because we have this treasure in the earthen vessel that the excellency of this power may be of God and not of us. Then Paul goes on to talk in verse 8. He's pressed, he's troubled on every side, but he's not distressed, he's perplexed, but he's not in despair. But look at, we get into verse 9. He's persecuted, but he's not forsaken. He's cast down, but he's not destroyed. And then verse 10. Oh, look at verse 10. Oh, look at verse 10. Think of Jesus in his ID. Think of you when you change in his image. Look at this. You're always bearing about in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus. In other words, you're always changing. You're always going through a change. You're always dying to yourself. You're always getting the flesh. What did Jesus talk about in the book of Matthew when he said, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your, if your right hand offends you, pluck it out, right? What Jesus is saying, die to yourself. Die to yourself. Die to yourself. Die to the flesh. Die to the flesh. Renew in the spirit. Die to the flesh. The sons of God are the ones that are led by the spirit of God, right? Die to your flesh. Die to your flesh. And that's what Paul's saying. It doesn't bother me because I'm dying to the flesh. Every day I'm dying to the flesh, right? Why? So that the life, that Zoe life of Jesus can be made manifest in my body. Glory be to God. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, right? Man, 
what's the big deal, okay? I mean, when you start living for Jesus and you start getting in that relationship with him, okay, great, okay. There's persecution out there. Great, these things are going to be happening. I like what Peter said. Why be surprised when these things are happening? Man, what makes a man get stoned, shipwrecked, beaten with a whip like 39 times, twice before he dies? What makes him get up and want to do this over and over again? There's got to be some kind of love. There's got to be some kind of intimacy. There's got to be some kind of recognition as who he is in Jesus, man. I mean, you just get excited for it because he wants that life also of Jesus to be made manifest in his mortal flesh. Man, I got excited when I read that. It just got me so excited. You start running around the house. You start singing hallelujah to the Lord when you see that. Glory be to God. Our entire life is to be acceptable to the Lord. So a disciple, his job is not only to change and not only to renew, her, his and her job is also to go to another higher prayer level, right? To go to another higher love walk level, right? And to take their life and put it in a standard so that you don't be a mud pot Christian anymore. Man, I read that one time. When it was in Timothy, when they were talking about that, there's mud pots, some to honor, some to dishonor. And I was like, Lord, I want you to show me what kind of pot I am right now. Well, a couple days later, I'm praising the Lord. I go to sleep, and then I have this little dream, and I was not a gold vessel, okay? He, he was showing me right up, little mud pot, you know? So I started spending more time in the Word, and then I saw a little wooden pot, right? So I'm like, all right, I'm getting better. I'm going there. So I asked the Lord the other day. I said, Holy Spirit, I said, all right, Lord, I'll, I'll take it. Show me. I, I want to see, have I gone any higher than the wooden pot since those years back when I did that? But... Um, we're supposed to live an acceptable life. We're supposed to have higher standards, right? So don't let the world set the standards for you, right? Don't be conformed to the world. Don't let the world uh, do those standards. And I, I'm telling you, folks, um, you're looking to a guy who used to always like to watch sports a lot. And um, I would go on the Internet, and I would go to those particular websites. I won't name them just to see sports scores. You can't even go to those sites anymore. I can't even go to certain weather sites to look at the weather information anymore because they all got ads coming in they all got things flashing on them you got to get ad blockers on your computer you got half naked men half naked ladies on there i'm telling you you've got and it's subtle how they're doing it it's subtle how they're making you accept this right there was a time when i was a kid growing up that women would not show certain things in their life right but over the years that's changed it's the same thing with guys there were things that people wouldn't do there were things that people wouldn't say and they've become acceptable now to the world right and so what do we got to do? Are we going to lower our standards to their standards? No, we can't. We, we've got to talk like Jesus, walk like Jesus. Now, is there something wrong with changing the way you wear things and dress? No, but use a sense with the Holy Spirit, right? Um, let the Holy Spirit lead you, okay, when it comes to dress and stuff like that. But one of the things you learn about change is, is the first step of change is called tolerance, if you tolerate something, that's when you'll change, okay? Just a little bit of tolerance, just a little bit. Now, what did Jesus say in the word? Just a little bit of leaving, right? Leaven, is it leaven or leaving? It depends where you grew up, right? What, what part of the country you came from, right? It, you know, just that little bit is enough to spoil the whole batch. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? I, I'm telling you, and um, one of the things that... Uh, really caught my attention this morning when we were out with uh, the, the food outreach with the Baldwins. And then the last time I went to the, to the prisons in Tarrant County, there's a lot of Christians in there that are asking me, how do I stop 
being a, you know, hooked on alcohol? How do I stop being hooked on anger? How do I stop being hooked on drugs? And as you begin to minister the Word of God and you begin to show the identity of Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to bring on you, hey, this guy's got an anger issue. And that's what brought this guy up to me is because he wasn't going to listen to me. And I said, when I got born again, I learned how to control my anger. And that caught his attention, and he came up and started talking to me. And he's a Christian, and he wants to know how come he's living in this. It's because he's not being a disciple, right? And I mean, that's, I mean, that's just the basic thing. He's not pursuing the word of God, is he? He's not making it first place in his life. Now, I wasn't there to judge him. I was just there to start pointing things out to him. So when we started going over these scriptures, you're made in the image of Christ. The Zoe life of God is on the inside of you, right? And you go to Galatians and you talk about what all the things are in the flesh. And here's the interesting thing about sinners. They know what the sin is. I, I don't have to tell them what sin is. What they're looking for is how do I get out of it? Right? How do I do that? So then you say, well, those that are born of God, right? They're led by the Spirit of God, right? They're the sons of God. And then you start talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then you start talking about the, the nine fruit of the Spirit and how you develop in those and walk in that. And the next thing you know, they want to know about what's this thing about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then you start talking to them, and one of the guys started speaking in tongues. It was just the most exciting thing. when you start. But see, it's that Zoe life that's on the inside of you. It's that disciple life that you're living, right? Because they ask me that question, how do you do that? How do you not let that happen? Now, there's something interesting about that statement that I'm going to say here, the one guy that I was talking to, he said this, well, everybody sins, right? Everybody's going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to walk and make mistakes, right? So what makes you any better than me? In fact, he didn't even want to listen to me because I had not been in prison. I had not been in his position before, right? And so, and Pastor Justin and I talked about that one time, so I'm glad we had that conversation, right? Did Jesus ever sin? You know what he said? He said, yeah, he did. I go, come on. I said, where in the word does it say Jesus sinned? In Hebrews, it said he was tempted like we were in all points, but he did not sin, right? So how could Jesus do that? How could he walk in this world, right, but know what sin was, but not have to experience it? And so I began to explain it to him. Zoe life on the inside of you, the life of the disciple on the inside of you, right? When you got the real deal, who here feels confident they know what a $20 bill is? If I was to hand you a fake 20 and you were to look at it under the light and you were to handle it, you'd be pretty confident you know if it was a real deal or not. Why? Because you've been handling it all your life. You know the deal, right? So if someone comes up with you with a counterfeit, you recognize it right away. And so the Holy Spirit had me go on again with Romans 8. Um, you know, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of the spirit of death, right? The sin and death, the curse. And you begin to describe to them that sin is like gravity, Okay, that pulls on an airplane. Sin is out there. The curse is out there. It's trying to pull you down. But the law of lift is what keeps that airplane, right, from going down into sin, right? So if you can just stay walking in the law of the life of Christ Jesus in that liberty day to day, glory to glory, right, you begin to stay up into that area. Because it says in Proverbs that you can live high above the hell that's beneath the earth. Man, I read that in Proverbs, and that, boy, that just solidified that for me. Lord, I don't want to live anymore on the hell below. I want to fly up above, you know, and I want to stay in that law of liberty, right? It all comes from being a disciple. It all comes from being a disciple, just getting in the word. A disciple knows who his identity is. He or she knows who their identity in Christ is. They know who they are in Christ Jesus. They know who they are. Glory be to God. See, so the word is our standard, right? 
So don't let down your standards. So what I've been doing since we've been doing these discipleship classes is I've been sitting down with the Holy Spirit praying. And uh, as soon as you start praying, the Holy Spirit will start telling you where you've been slacking off in areas. And I get excited when that happens because the Holy Spirit's talking to you. And what does a coach do? A coach talks to you, right? And what did Jesus say in John chapter 15? I'm the true vine, right? You're the branch. You want to start producing fruit? What do you got to do? You got to start abiding in me, right? Let my word abide in you, right? Because if I abide in you and your word abides in you, my word abides in you, you're going to get the fruit, right? So the Holy Spirit started showing me I'm going to start purging you with the word. So if you ask the Holy Spirit to do that, he'll do it to you. And when you read Proverbs chapter 1, and you start in verse 20, and you go all the way to the end, you find out God's always talking. The Holy Spirit's out there always talking. He's talking to you night and day, right, constantly. And he's constantly coaching you. You need to go here. You need to change this. You need to improve here. You need to improve there, right? But if you're not going to listen to that, if you're just going to ignore the Holy Spirit, what happens to the heart? It gets hard, right? So now it's like where Jesus was standing here right in front of you, and you're really hearing the Holy Spirit good, now you kind of get your heart hard and it kind of backs up and something else gets in front of you, right? Now you got that distraction. And it's not that the Holy Spirit's not speaking, because he is. It's just you have a harder time listening to him now because your flesh is now blocked out, right? So I had to get my heart soft again. Oh, man. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Jesus preached change. And um, I was talking to a minister friend uh, just recently when we were on a subject, and he was starting to bow into the world's way of that subject. And um, Pastor Justin preaches this a lot in John chapter 3. So let's go to John chapter 3. And I want you to see something here in John chapter 3. Because Paul preached Jesus. And I heard from another minister one time that, oh, well, there's what Jesus said, and then there's what Paul said in the Bible. And I believe what Jesus said and what Paul said. And, boy, that just caught my attention right there. Because if you start reading Jesus' word, and then you start reading what Paul says, you'll see that Paul amplified what Jesus said. He began to speak what Jesus said in Jesus' language, in his language. St. Paul translation, right? So, <clears throat> if you go to John chapter 3. For God, in verse 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but will have everlasting zoe, everlasting light, life, love on the inside of you. Bam, there's a change right there, right? But now Jesus goes on. God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. Yeah, there's a lot of sin going on out there. I agree. I'm not going to judge. You know what I'm going to do? There's two kinds of judges in the Bible when you read it. There's one that talks about judging when you're like a judge and you're bringing down a gavel and you're condemning somebody. And then there's another kind of judge where you're able to discriminate between what's right and wrong, right? That's what the judge Jesus was talking about. Don't take the word of God and use it as a gavel to say you're going to hell, right? Don't do that. Recognize what the sin is. And then ask the Holy Spirit, how do I preach to this, Lord? How do you, how you want me to say this? And then the Lord will tell you what to say. He'll tell you what to put the finger on. And he'll tell you how to pull that root out, right? So you don't condemn them. Jesus came to set them free, just like the woman caught in the act of adultery, right? Then he said this, he that believes on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. So some kind of judgment's already happened, hasn't it? So we know now Jesus is the standard for salvation, right? 
getting him into your life, right? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now listen to this. This is how condemnation works, okay? Light has come into the world, but men love darkness more than they love light because their deeds are evil, their way of thinking, their way of living, everything around them. They've been grown in that environment. They've lived in that environment, right? They think wrong. They talk wrong. They act wrong. So their deeds are evil, right? From thoughts to the, to the dead, the, the naked Adam, basically. When you, when you read that, I want you to think about Adam when he fell from heaven. And he's covered himself in those fig leaves. Instead of the glory of God covering him, the Zoe life covering him, now he's got those fig leaves covering him, right? So they're living in that. They live it. They've gained experience in it. They began to develop in it. They've got comfortable in it, right? So that's why their deeds are evil, okay? But everyone that does evil, he hates the light. What a surprise that a lot of them don't understand the light, right? In verse 20. They hate the light. They don't come running to the light. Uh-oh, here we go. And I love it because we got a great pastor here who's constantly telling the truth. Jesus, he, yeah, Jesus accepts you no matter where you are or how you are, but there's going to be change. Jesus spoke change. Here it is right here. His deeds need to be reproved. I don't know how to live. If it wasn't for the Word of God, I wouldn't know what sin was, right? Now, what the Bible said, we wouldn't know what sin was. That's what Paul said until the light of the law came, right? But even that was just a reflection. He was not a projection. And nobody in the Bible could keep that. Nobody in the Old Testament could keep up because their spirits were dead, right? So we need change, right? So verse 21, it says, But he that does the truth... Oh, man, he comes running to the light. He comes running to the light, he or she. Why? Because I want my deeds to be made manifest. I want the Lord to change me. That's what happens. That's why we need to see change in a Christian. There needs to be a change. I need to see Christ in you. I need to see you being able to understand Christ, walk in Christ. Yeah, we're going to grow. We're always growing, and we'll get over that in 1 John 1. That's why that chapter, oh, I love that chapter. And there, that thing, thing is so beautiful in there because it talks about this so strongly. But think of that. So let's go to 1 John 1. So thank you, Jesus, for letting us know that. Thank you for letting us know. <laughs> Glory be to God that when we come to you, these things that were controlling me in the past, these things that I didn't know about, these sins that I'm doing that I'm not even aware of, he's going to make them manifest to me. This is what the mirror of the Word of God does. This is what a disciple does. He gets into the Word of God. She gets into the Word of God. She begins to read it. She learns from it. She grows from it. He learns from it. He grows from it. And then the Holy Spirit starts changing you. It's so exciting. You get ex- Man, when I get revelation of something I've been doing wrong and then the Holy Spirit reveals it to me, I was like, oh, man, Lord, yes, thank you so much. So let's go to 1 John. And when I first came here, I, I had Pastor Justin pray with me because I said, I, I want some full understanding of 1 John 1. I need to understand grace. Because when I came here, I did not understand grace to its fullness. I just did not. And um, I said, I just need some teaching on this. I need to understand this. And so I'm going to pick 1 John 1 up, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 3. And it says, that which we have seen and have declared unto you, that you may also have fellowship with us. Fellowship with who? Think about it. The Holy Ghost, with the Lord, with the Father, through Jesus, right? Fellowship with us, right? And truly, our fellowship is with, there it is, the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things, in verse 4, these things we write unto you, that your joy may be full. Verse 5, this then is the message which we have heard of him, And declare unto you that God is light, 
and in him is no darkness at all. So verse 6, okay, born-again Christian, we need to be a disciple now, right? So if we say that we have fellowship with him, but we're, not, but we're still walking in darkness, I have to question whether you're born again or not, because you're lying, you're not doing the truth. Because if the truth was in you, you'd be doing verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we would have fellowship one with another. Oh, here we go. In the blood of Jesus, as you're learning, in the blood of Jesus, as you're growing, his son will cleanse you from all sin. So I don't have to work it anymore. The Holy Spirit's going to show me day to day, glory to glory, faith to faith, right? Each step I take, each I'm getting bigger. I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing, right? So he's going to be with me the whole way. But during that process, and here it is in verse 8, during that process, if we say that we have no sin and the Holy Spirit's trying to convict you and the Holy Spirit's working with you and he's taking you to a higher level and he's taking you to another level and you say what? You, you say, I have no sin. You're going to go back and live like an alley cat the way you lived before you got born again? Because that's what a lot of Christians do. They think once saved, always saved. Yeah, that's true. If you know who you are in Christ Jesus and you know your identity and you're walking in the light as he is in the light. Yeah, that's true. Once saved, always saved. But if you get this concept where I can just go out and live, I got a license to sin now and I'm above grace, right? That's where the danger is and that's what he's talking about. If you say you have no sin, then you're deceiving yourself. The truth is not in you. Why? Because if truth was in me and I went off on somebody, what, what should be happening if I just out of the blue just started yelling at somebody for no reason at all? What's the Holy Spirit going to do to me? He's going to convict me, right? But if I walk around and act like I'm justified, like, no, Lord, blah, 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 what am I doing? Now I'm going to start hardening my heart, right? Now I got what's called a blessing blocker, right? Now I'm deceiving myself. Now the truth ain't working in me, right? It's not working, right? So I need to get that blessing blocker out. I need to ask for what? I need to ask for forgiveness of sin. So there he goes in verse 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He'll cleanse us from all the unrighteousness. Oh, glory to God. But if we say we have not sinned, now we're going to make him a liar. And now his word's not going to be in us. So let's talk about Paul. So let's go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to pick it up at verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word, Jesus. Thank you for grace, Jesus, because I'm learning and I'm growing. I'm responsible for the light I have, but the Lord's taken me somewhere. I planted that little peach tree about a year and a half ago, and that little guy was only this big and only gave me about four or five fruits, and it's only been one year, and that little guy is like tall. He's got, I mean, there must have been over a hundred different kinds of fruit that came out. Our freezer is stored with that with the stuff in there. And I just was like, oh, I'm going to learn from the Holy Spirit on that. Just in one year, that thing grew. I was just like, in the right environment, right? Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they flourish, right? In the courts of their God. Boy, they bring forth fruit, don't they? And I just, I was like, dude, man. I was like, look at that thing. The right sun, the light, right water. This thing just loves it here. It's thriving here, right? And so he said, be you therefore followers of God as dear children, walk in love. So what does a Christian disciple do? What's the biggest thing that shows a disciple from the rest of the world? Love. Oh, man, that is so key. Oh, that is so key. Love. But it's agape love, isn't it? It's agape. It's not stupid love. It's agape love. It's not the love where you're taken advantage of. It's the love that knows how to hear from the Holy Ghost. It's the love that knows how to ask God, God, how do I change this situation? Because Jesus says if a guy sues you at the law and he takes your, you, you know, your, your 
cloak, give them your undershirt, right? Also. And he says, if he forces you to go one mile, go twang with them. And I'm reading that, and I'm like, what are you talking about, Lord? So I, I started to understand it. Let the Lord start turning things to your advantage. Just listen to him. He'll show you how to turn this to your advantage. Because what's, what's happening? What's going on? The devil's pulling somebody, right? Darkness is pulling the strings on somebody. And when you start walking in love and you start praying for your enemy, oh, man. I mean, that was the first, one of the biggest things I did when I first got born again is to pray for the people that offended me. Whether they were right, whether I was right, it didn't matter. I got offended. And so the first thing I did is I began to pray for the Lord to release me from this. And I began to ask the Lord to forgive Oh, it was so powerful. But the, he's talking about it. As Christ, the resurrected, risen Messiah, who's seated at the right hand, who I'm in his image, and his image is in me. I'm in him, and he's in me. Man, every time I stop at Christ, I just hover there and, and read it. He's loved us. He's given us himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication, okay, and all uncleanliness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you. Because we're saints, right? That's not becoming of a saint. Verse 4, filthiness, foolish talking, jesting, check your mouth. What are you saying? What's coming out of it? Man, I check it. I walked around three days one time. For three days, the Holy Spirit had me walk around when I first got born again and write down every word that came out of my mouth. And I was like, oh, seeing the stuff that was coming out of there, I was like, man, I ain't talking like a Christian. See, these are not convenient, right? But rather giving thanks. And then in verse 5, for this you know that no whoremonger, <clears throat> there's people out there with sexual identity issues, there's people out there with sexual preference issues, okay? And there's a spirit behind that, right? And so there's, there's, a, there's an area that needs to be addressed in the body of Christ, and there's a boldness that has to come out. But it's got to be in love, right? Because without love, we're just going to be clanging cymbals, right? We're just going to be noisemakers. It doesn't matter if you're right, you're just going to be a noisemaker. So we've got to hear the Holy Spirit on this and that, that subject. Not unclean person, right? Don't be an unclean person. Don't be covetous. That's an idolater. You don't have any inheritance with the kingdom of God or Christ if that happens. Well, read Revelations 21, verse 8, right? It, it says the same thing. Let no man deceive you, verse 6, with vain words. And that's what the world is doing right now. What, is, what do you do if you want to increase your pool? You lower your standards. Okay, that's the first thing people will do. If you want to increase your pool, and you want to get your type of living out, you have to, and he, and Pastor Justin's been talking about it, they're trying to get the word to conform to their life, so they're going to lower the standards. Well, did Jesus really mean this when he said it? But if you and I are not in the word, and we're not solid in the word, we're not continuously walking in the word, we're not meditating on this, man, the devil will take advantage of you, and the next thing you know, you'll be agreeing with the world on certain issues. And also timid, and afraid to actually, in love, Ask the Holy Spirit how to respond to this, right? Yes, go ahead. Oh, man. He said excuses that justify. So let no man mm. deceive you with excuses that justify. Man. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes on us. Think of it. Now, stop right there. Because of that, the wrath of God comes on us. Okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. I want to show you something. Matthew chapter 5. When you become a disciple, you enter into the service of the Lord. And I, I learned something. The Holy Spirit says, I want you to do this exercise. This was long ago when I first got born again. I want you to underline everywhere where Jesus says, but I say unto you, but I say unto you, but I say unto you. You've heard it said that you, 
If you want to get a divorce, you just write it up and off you go. But I say unto you, no, unless there's fornication issues going on. No, that's not a reason. That's not a justifiable reason for divorce. But that's what was going on, right? Oh, okay, you've heard it said this. You've heard it said that. You've heard it said this. You've heard it said that. But I say unto you, but I say unto you, but I say unto you, but I say unto you. Paul, I think we're learning how to be a disciple here, aren't we? So if we look here, and I'm just going to use this as an example. In verse 43, so Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, because this was the first one that opened my eyes to the Holy Spirit a long time ago when I started becoming a disciple. It says, you have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44, but I say unto you, there's your commander in chief telling you right now, but I say unto you, you love your enemy. You got to be kidding me, Jesus. I got to love, that's why I told him, I got to love my enemy, this person that hated me. All right, all right I'm gonna, this is where agape faith comes in, agape love comes in, okay? And I said, so you bless them that curse you, you do good to them that hate you, you pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. All right, Lord, so this is what I did. I got on my hands and knees, and I started praying to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I forgive this individual. You said in your word. I, did, I don't really have a full understanding, because I was just a brand-new Christian. I don't really have a full understanding of this, but I'm going to be a disciple of you. I'm going to do what your word says. So you said that I'm supposed to forgive my enemies. So I start praying for this individual. Lord, I thank you, because if that individual knew you like I did, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. So I began to pray for them. Then I began to pray blessings over them. And the next thing you know, that unforgiveness that was in me came out of me. That weight that was on me, that 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 hardness of heart all of a sudden busted open and I could feel the warmth of the Lord in my heart and on the inside of my spirit again. And all of a sudden the power of God started coming over me. Oh man. And then the Lord started telling me what was going on in the individual's life. Devil, you take your hands off of them right now in the name of Jesus. You spirit of depression, you foul spirit of depression, take your hands off them right now in Jesus name. Oh my goodness. Now I'm praying for my enemies. The Lord's opening my eyes. He's showing me how to, how to use the word of God to set somebody free. And I just started setting me free. And I was like, oh, man, I understand now, Lord. So now my enemies, one by one, become my friends. I was just like, wow. Now listen to what Jesus says here in verse 45. Now remember, Pastor Justin just said what it meant. Excuses, justifying, right? And then the wrath of God comes. I want you to read what Jesus says next here. Because he uses it in this set of scriptures right here when he's talking about this subject. He says, why are you supposed to do this? Because that's what a disciple does. That's what Jesus did to the woman caught in the act of adultery, right? He didn't use the word of God to condemn her. He used the word of God to set her free. Because what's Proverbs 16, 6, right? It's mercy and truth that gets a person out of sin, out of iniquity, right? I mean, that's what the scripture says. And so Jesus says here in verse 45, that you may be the children of the Father which is in heaven. Acceptable, right? Because he makes his son to rise, Right? He makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, right? Ask the people in Nineveh, Nineveh, right? Ask that woman caught in the act of adultery, right? He shows mercy. He'll show judgment, right? Oh, but now catch the flip side right here, okay? He sends rain on the just and the unjust. Okay, Lord. He goes on, and I'm going to explain this here, because he goes on to talk in verse 46, if you love them that only love you, what reward have you? The mafia does that. The publicans do that, right? You scratch my back, I scratch yours. What, what, 
I mean, where is the joy there? Where's the love there, right? And if you only, verse 47, if you only suit your brethren, well, you know, more than, than others, the publicans do that. Be you therefore perfect or acceptable. That's the standard of God, walking in love, right? Acceptable to God, perfect to God, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect, okay? So what does this mean? He's going to send that rain, okay? What measure you meet is the measure that's going to be back, given back to you. So Jesus is talking about all these, I say unto you, I say unto you. And he slips, he doesn't slip, but he puts this piece right in here. If you start walking around judging as a disciple, if you start walking around being justified, if you start living in, to the excuses and the standards of the world, right, and start going by their standards and start lowering your standards, hey, hey, just like on the evil, the rain comes on them, it's going to happen to you too. Man, it opened up my eyes right there when I saw that. Oh, I get it, Lord, I see that. Man, if I don't start doing the word of God, if I don't start living in this, if I don't start walking in this, and if I think I can be born again and I can go out there and start living the way they're living and start conforming myself to their ways, and I'm going to expect the blessing of God to be on me and expect me to be scot-free from all of this, that's not what that's saying right there. No, the Lord's saying, uh-uh, watch out. What you sow, you're going to reap. What judgment you give is going to come back to you. That rain's going to come on you. Don't think for one second. I mean, come on, we're born again, right? We're not even supposed to be, it shouldn't even be named among us, some of the stuff that's going on here. So if there's a problem in your life, come run into Jesus. Come run into Jesus. I would rather learn how to get something fixed with the Holy Spirit, right, and work on something than to just deny the Holy Spirit and then just start conforming myself to the world and start accepting that. Because once you start conforming to that, once you start molding in that, once you start getting out of that umbrella of love and you start opening yourself and start walking out there, the rain's going to fall on you, right? So this was this is a key scripture that, that just really caught my attention on that. And I'm just going to, um, because of, of time's sake, I just want to speak of one guy in the Bible. His name was Daniel, right? Remember Daniel? And what did it say in Daniel chapter 1? What did Daniel do? I mean, I mean, think of what Jeremiah, he prophesied. You want to be a prophet, some of y'all? Jeremiah getting thrown in jail, living on, you know, prisoners. Punishment bread is what they called it. Being thrown down a well, right? Everybody mad at you. Everybody kicking you, punching you. All this stuff's going on. Talk about being conformed to worldly standards, how Israel was living. But what did Daniel do? He purposed in his heart. He's in a foreign land. He's in a foreign world, right? They have foreign standards out there. They even tried to change. They changed his name, right? And he wouldn't even go by that, right? He still kept going by his name, right? They told him he couldn't pray to the Lord, but he did it anyways, right? He did not change his standards. And what did the Bible say? What happened to Daniel? Because he purposed in his heart not to change his standards when the world around him said he had to, right? He got blessed, didn't he? What happened to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They got their name changed too. I think of that, giving you a sinful name, right, that, that represents some kind of a sinful God, right? You talk about trying to conform somebody to standards, and here's Daniel. Man, glory be to God. I mean, Daniel is just purposing in his heart. So the Bible said the Lord gave him favor. The Lord gave him love, right? I mean, he got love with man and God. Glory be to God. The lions couldn't even eat them. Hallelujah. So I'm just going to wrap it up here and just say this. We are made in the image of the Lord. When I got born again, the Zoe life of the Lord came in and got in on the inside of me. And I'm telling you, there is a blind world out there. When the blind lead the blind, they fall into a ditch. 
There are people out there right now that are following any kind of religion. And like it said in Isaiah 53, they've all made God in their own standard. They've all made God to their own, they've conformed God to their own image. And they've lowered his standard to meet their own expectations, right? And God laid on Jesus, the sin of us all, right? And so Jesus went to the cross and he did that. And if there's anybody in here who has not accepted Jesus and they want that Zoe life on the inside of them, and I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit comes in on the inside of you and you get baptized by the Holy Spirit, there is a boldness that comes out of you. There is a love and a light that shines out of you. You are no longer a reflection of some some worldly light they're trying to shine on you. No, you are a projection of the light of God. And Father, I'm just asking, if there's anyone in here who has not made Jesus Lord of their life, raise your hand now. Come running, man. Because I want that Zoe life on the inside of you. You get that Zoe life on the inside of you. And anyone who's listening out there, you know, on the internet and watching by way of, uh, of the broadcast, man, this is what you do. You just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Oh, come into my heart. I want that spirit that God put in you when he raised you from the dead. Put it in me, Jesus. Lay it on me, Lord. I'm here. Take it. I want it. I want it. Give it to me in the name of Jesus. And this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit that makes a man go out and put his hands on somebody and they get healed, that makes somebody go out and do the work of Jesus, put it on me, Lord. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to go out there. I want to speak in heaven's language. I want to do what heaven does. I want to be used by you in the name of Jesus. Because you died for three days and you rose again. And man, that spirit that rose you from the dead couldn't keep you in hell. And I'm telling you, when I got born again, that old Joseph died. He don't live anymore. He's a dead man. He's a gone man. There's a new Joseph. I'm a new creation in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm a disciple of the Lord in Jesus' name. I decree it now. I decree the blessing over my life. I choose to live in the blessing. I choose to live in life. I choose to walk in the love of God. I choose to walk in the light of God. I know the word of God works. I know what Jesus said will come to pass. I know it works. I've tried it. I've used it. It works. I love my enemy now. I can see what's going on in my enemy's life. I can pray for my enemy now. I can be used by Jesus now. So Lord, lay it on me. Just come into me in Jesus' name. Use me for your purpose. I mean, that's what I did when I got born again. And I went to Isaiah chapter 6, and I read about how Isaiah all sudden is in the presence of God. And he realized, man, I can't talk their language they're talking, but I'm not getting anything, you know, and um, I'm just, I don't deserve to be here. I can't be in here, right? I, I just feel, I mean, he felt naked in that sight, right? But man, an angel came over, and he took that coal off the altar, and he put it on his lips. So I said, Jesus, just like that angel did that, Holy Spirit, I want you to touch my eyes so I can see. I want you to touch my ears so I can hear. I want you to touch my heart. I want you to take your finger and just carve your word on my heart. Jesus, come into me. I want to do this. And I started pounding on the bed. I started pounding on the wall. I want it, Jesus. I want it, Jesus. I remember reading a story about the king that only hit the arrow like three times on the ground, and the prophet laughed at him. And said, if you would have done it more, the Lord would have given you more victory. So I started, I want it, Jesus. I want it, Jesus. And I just kept pounding. I was like, I want all you got for me in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, that night the Holy Spirit came over me. I got baptized in the Lord. I started prophesying. I started hearing voices of heaven. I mean, oh, glory be to God. And I was never the same again. And uh, that's what it means to be born again. So, so, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for making us in your image. Oh, Lord, we could go on all night. We could just tie open the, we could just pour open the scriptures and just see how we are overcomers in this world. Oh, my. 
Lord, I just thank you for giving faith to everybody to do this. Everyone, you can, we can do this, Lord. We can do this. We can do this, Lord. We're in your image. We're in your image, Jesus. And I just thank you for the words that were spoken tonight. I thank you for the excitement that your word generates. And I thank you, Father, because we are in your image. So thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.